You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here we go, Sherry. One, two, three. Let Sherry baby rock your soul. She's gonna help you break the mold. She's super magic, truth be told. Ooh, oh, oh, oh. Got lots and lots of musical glow. Spirituality, conviviality, sexuality. Quality time on the air. Quality time on the air. Quality time on the air. With Sherry. Cause and effect. Good morning, everybody. I am here with the, literally the most scrumptious group of people I may have met in many, 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 many years, if not the most scrumptious group. This is Oklahoma City University's Care Coalition is here with me today. We are here. It is the early morning. We're sipping our coffee cups and we're coming in slow-mo. And I'm really, really excited about it because we have so much to share with you today. So first, I'm just going to announce, you know, who's here with me from Oklahoma City University. Then I'm going to just give you a little bit of a history and how we made it to this very day, which I have to say here on Cause and Effect, <laughs> that I, I am excited for the future because of these people and because of what's happening at Oklahoma City University. So let me warmly introduce, introduce to you Nasser Panjwani on my Kearney, Bree Reed, Sarah Schultz. And I had to write this down because <laughs> literally this is how I think of her. The 2020 queen of Oklahoma City, City University, <laughs> Dr. Autumn West. <laughs> I had to, Autumn. I had to. You are the You're reigning very sweet. queen. I'm very right. Um, these <laughs> folks make up the CARE Coalition at Oklahoma City University. We'll talk a little bit more about how incredible these folks are and what we've done in such a short amount of time together. But for now, I just want to let you know that while you're processing how we came together, CARE stands for Creatives for Artistic and Realistic Equity. And that was made up by one of our core company members, Mark Munoz, who is the head of our disability uh, community. We'll talk all about that later on. But let me start here with how this all happened. I'm just going to breeze through this stuff because what's happening right now is juicy. So how it ended up happening was back in the day, we have an auntie of Oklahoma City University, Ms. Madge Dietrich, right? And she was at Oklahoma City University and 
or she had graduated from Oklahoma City University and we started working together and she called Dr. Frank Ragsdale, who was a teacher there at the time. And she was like, Frank, Frank, this girl teaches popular music and she's also queer and we got to get her in school. And so he brought me and we started what I would call a long-term open relationship. And what would ha- what our relationship basically was, was I spent a little bit of time at school and I'd show up for a weekend and do this massive pop rock weekend. Then when times was tough and our po- and the pockets were empty at Oklahoma City University, then sometimes it would just be working with the grads with OCU and NYC. But I always felt like we had this great long-term relationship and we had just little affairs <laughs> whenever we could. That's how, what I would call it. Then as I decided last year to write my second edition, and I was as I was writing it, it was I was realizing that we had to use inclusive language because it was 2019 and we had to, and nobody had written a book with inclusive language. I also decided that I wanted to launch a coalition with my book because one of the things I noticed about the industry and about schools and just about our current climate, this was last year, was that we don't take care of each other. We do not take care of each other. It has always been in the industry, every man for himself. And I feel like oftentimes in colleges, we're training our students to be that way. And that we're trying to, that, that we think that it's a, we're teaching them to compete and be strong and not let anybody take you down. But what happened is, is our community, our theater community didn't feel like a community to me. And my feeling was if we were going to create a coalition and I was going to talk about inclusion, my idea was going to be what I think in a, a, a coalition actually is, which is that if we were going to think of all of the marginalized people in our community, that's people working with uh, disabilities and neurodiversities, people who are just LGBTQIA plus, period, and, you know, any person of color, period, we've all been mishandled in the industry. And so I thought, what if the BIPOC community held space for the LGBTQIA community? What if the neurodivergent community held space for the LGBTQIA community? What if we all learned how to hold space for each other? And the reason for that is this. I realized at Oklahoma City University also that there were race issues back when I was there in the early days. And no one said anything to me. I just noticed it. I noticed it at a lot of schools. (laughs) I noticed it, in fact, at all of the schools. So here we created this coalition, right? While the book was coming out, while we were getting the coalition together, I popped over at OCU for a workshop. And there I was with Karen Miller and Dr. West and Dr. Herendine. And I'm holding this wonderful workshop weekend. And they took me aside and they said, we are in trouble. Our community is in trouble and we want to change it. And and because I was speaking so openly about all the things that we need to change, I said, well, guess what? We have a coalition that we're building. Do you want to pioneer the college level coalition with me? Do you want to create these groups at school that all take care of each other? And so the answer was yes. (laughs) And that is, I mean, really, that's how this all started. And so we decided to get together on Wednesdays and build OCU care. That happened, I think, in December, maybe it was when I went to OCU. And then the pandemic happened. So we had one meeting in person with everybody. And then we all had to take this online. So every single Wednesday through the entire pandemic, no matter what was going on, we showed up 
and opened up all of the things that were going on at school that were not okay and that needed to change. And I have to say, I don't know if any of you felt this way, but sometimes I felt it was a saving grace of the moment. So I just wanted to give you an introduction and let you know that we have just spent an incredible amount of time building something incredible. You won't believe it. And now I want to talk about it. <laughs> so let me reintroduce these incredible people to you. And if you don't mind, I think, I don't know, who wants to start? Autumn, do you want to, as a, a faculty member, do you want to yeah. talk about what drove all of you to come to this point? And then we could bring in the students to talk about how you met them to change. Can you, will you start sure. sharing? Great. Thank you so much. Ooh. Yeah. So obviously I can't speak to the student experience, but I know for me, I am always looking to serve my students better. Um, I'm always looking to meet them exactly where they are and acknowledge everything that they, that they need and, and who they are. And, um, and I saw that in a lot of ways that that wasn't being done. Um, and it's our duty as educators to be able to do that and to be able to, especially as artistic educators, allow them to be seen for everything that they are. Um, so that was one of the big reasons for me that this seemed like a necessary thing. And it seemed like um, now was the time. Um, it's also a really beautiful um, vehicle for allyship and advocacy and teaching those um, those skills and giving our students those skills that they can take forward into the industry because in so many ways, um, the university training grounds, they provide or they should provide the people that become the industry in 10 years. And so this is an ability to say change starts right here. And we, and we move then into the professional industry as we're creating these people um, who have these values and who have these skills. Um, so for me, those were some of just some of the many, many reasons that this was necessary and needed to be now. Whew. That just took me out. Thank you. <laughs> and I know that, you know, with the Musical Theater Educators Alliance, which we're a part of, um, that we get to be a part of a new movement of teachers that care less about making sure that you're the right, fitting the right type so that you can book a job and that you can come into the industry as somebody who facilitates um, seeing the real world on stage and evolving as human beings uh, together. What I want to yes. do is open it up. Yes. And I want to open it right up to the student leaders who are here today. Um, and I think, uh, Nasser, let's start with you. You are the president of OCU Care. Will you open it up to, um, and anybody else who wants to share, just raise your hand for us. But I want to talk about before this happened, before we decided to make a coalition, what was it like at school knowing that there were things that you had to actually struggle and suffer through that were unfair and that nobody was listening? Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, first of all, I want to say hi. My name is Nasser Panjwani. I'm a rising musical theater junior at Oklahoma City University this fall. And I'm just so excited to be here uh, <laughs> and to talk about all of this with all of you. I am a Pakistani man. And so that really affects, obviously, how I'm viewed in the rehearsal room, in the casting room, in the classroom. Um, it's just not a common occurrence in our musical theater industry to be of a South Asian background in general. Um, and uh, obviously, <clears throat> as we've learned, 
um, throughout history, but particularly reflecting this summer, um, BIPOC people are treated in a very particular way in our industry. Um, and it's something that we've experienced for a long time. And so in these last two school years that I've been at OCU, I actually at first honestly didn't realize that my experience was different from everyone else's. Not in that like it wasn't different, but because no one talked about it. So I didn't realize that like I that other people weren't experiencing the same uh, disappointment and struggles that I was. Everybody obviously experiences a disappointment with rejection when it comes to theater. Um, but they weren't leaving the room thinking, oh, I, I didn't get cast because I'm brown or because I'm black or because I'm of a different race. Um, that wasn't the thought process that was going through their head. And I didn't realize that people didn't know that that's what BIPOC people think when they leave the audition room. Um, and that was a conversation that started with uh, Brie and I pretty early on in our experience at um, at OCU. She's always been someone I can talk to about this, which has always been wonderful. Um, and I just started realizing that I felt like I wasn't worthy of being cast at OCU, um, or I, and ultimately that I wasn't worthy of being cast anywhere. Um, and then I started auditioning outside of OCU for things for the summer, for different um, programs and different um, summer stock gigs. And I was getting lots of callbacks. And I was honestly surprised because I didn't experience that at OCU at all. I wasn't getting called back at all at OCU. Um, in fact, the first time I was called back for a role at all was with the guest director, um, which was like a very interesting experience for me because it took somebody from the outside to come in to say, this person has something to be on our stage. Um, and, and even so I was a little frustrated with that casting process because that cast also ended up being primarily white. Um, and, uh, that just became a trend at our school. And quite frankly, it became a trend at our school to refer to our musicals as white people, the musical. Um, and that was a phrase that was commonly, I know, and it was a phrase that was commonly thrown around amongst the entire student population. And, and it's not that, that people were proud of it. Um, even our white students acknowledged it and they weren't, obviously it wasn't in their capacity to turn down the roles that were offered to them because at our school, it's a stipulation that when you are offered a role, you must accept it to uh, retain your scholarship um, and be a part of shows to retain your scholarship. So it's not like they, they enjoyed the fact that that was happening, um, but it was just a common con conversation point. Callback list would come out and I would send it to Brie and I would say, we're ready for White People's Musical Part 6. You know, like it would be some sort of joke like that. And we realized we were just dealing with our pain through humor um, and that this was something that couldn't go unaddressed any longer. And so it just so happened that at the same time, this coalition was in the works kind of behind the scenes. Brie and I started speaking up with our directors about how we were feeling because we felt that students of color were just not being listened to on campus. Nobody was ever asking how we felt. We knew that diversity was a, a talking point in the casting process, but uh, our faculty especially for our vo voice department, is uh, entirely made up of white people. And so there was no conversation happening where any person of color was vouching for us behind the scenes. So they were talking about diversity, but never actually considering a BIPOC voice in that process. And so that was where the conversation began for myself, and I believe for Brie. I don't want to speak for her, but I know that that was like where our, our paths crossed in that journey. And so that's personally how it felt for me as a student at OCU prior to this coalition. Yeah, for me, it was like I was in a box that actually was not a box I wanted to be in. But I think my teachers thought that it was something I wanted to be in. They only saw me for my blackness. And so it was like 
okay, your rep is going to be full of all the black girl songs. Um, you're gonna, you know, learn how to belt, even if it's not what you like to do. Like, we're just gonna, you know, make you an independent black woman who can belt. And that's going to be your role. Like that's going to be who you are in the industry, which yes, obviously I want to play those roles, but that wasn't who I wanted to be as an artist. And so it really put me in a box when it came to, um, the shows that we're doing at OCU because they don't have, you know, the strong black girls because we don't do shows like that. So I was learning that type of stuff, but I never got to actually perform it. And so Um, that left me at a like divide of, okay, what do I do in an audition room? I'm not learning what I need to for the the different type of shows that I can play. Um, but it was very much like, uh, we're just going to put you in the box of a black girl. And so for me, I was getting very frustrated about that. And like Nasa said, we would talk all the time of like, okay, I got called back, but I'm not going to get the role because, you know, I'm a black girl and they're not going to put a black girl in the lead. This is just not going to happen. Um, and so we started talking to our directors and I like very early on my freshman year, I talked to like Karen Dean and Karen and I was just like, Hey, I want to learn how to do other things. How can I, as a black woman, start breaking the barriers? And they were very receptive to the idea, but also they probably didn't have the best insight because that hadn't happened in our school, let alone in the industry that much. And so, um, it was very much like, you're the pioneer of this, just stay on the right track. Stay like stay with what you're doing. But that wasn't good enough for me. I was like, okay, yes, I can continue to pioneer this, but I need help. Like, I'm gonna need you guys to help me with the industry. That like it starts from behind the table. That's what I'm gonna need help with. I can be as good as it gets, but if the people behind the table don't see me for more than my color, it's not gonna get me anywhere. And so um I started the conversations with other people, other students faculty, I was, you know, just talking to see insight from any way that I could. Um, And it really helped me with my artistry when I started talking about it with students when they would say, Brie, your voice doesn't sound black. That was so opening for me to say, oh my gosh, my voice doesn't sound black. That's amazing. It was like, that was one of like the great things. It was like, we don't just see you for like your color, but we see you for the uniqueness of your voice. And so I think when it comes to accepting um, minorities in the performing arts, we have to remember that they are more than just their minority group. And so um, that was my experience with the artistry and the box that I was in. And I'm still, of course, pushing that box open wider and wider. But that is that was why I really wanted to join CARE, because I was like, I want this to change for other people, too. What I love about this is it took this combination of students and teachers and facilitators to keep, it takes a village and you're, you created a village. Now I want to switch over to one of the coalition initiatives, if not the, the most imperative one right now, as we're currently in Uh, I can't say we're currently in Black Lives Matter. I mean, we've been in it since it started. It just finally got to the point where we can no longer just talk about it, right? So because we're here, or post about it on social media, because we're here, I would like to uh, reintroduce Anmai, um, who will tell you about all of the amazing things that she and Brie and the Red Coalition have been putting together just in this last wild stretch of time that needs healing. Hi, I'm Anmai Carney. 
I am the leader of the Racial and Ethnic Diversity Branch, or RED. We made an acronym because it can be kind of a mouthful, you know, and it was catchy. So that's our acronym. But um, yeah, we've been doing a lot. So when we ended for the summer break, none of us thought that this would happen, that things like this would occur. Um, and so and I'm sorry, do you mean things like this, meaning the um, George that Floyd it, murder? That it, right, exactly. I mean, let's just say yes. it out loud. <laughs> yeah. um, that, this, that the injustice um, yeah. would rise in this era of a global pandemic. It was like, what, what worse could happen? And <laughs> the worst happened. Yeah. And so we, the, the Red Branch met and we said, what can we do? Because we have a platform and we all want to use our voices to speak out and you know, make tangible acts of justice and mercy. And how can we do that? So we started meeting um, in the middle of the summer and we came together and we just held space to say, how is everybody feeling? I am not a black woman. I am half Vietnamese and half white. And so I did not, and I cannot understand the burden um, that my black friends carried during this time. But I said, I can hold space for them. And we as a coalition can hold space. And so I just opened the floor in our first meeting and I said, how is everyone doing? Um, And it was just a beautiful space for everyone to express like, things that they didn't understand, things that they were struggling with. And I was so humbled to be there and be a part of it. And so from there, we asked, hey, like, what are the narratives that are happening right now? What are the narratives that we're missing? And what are ways uh, that we can make real change in our community, in our school? How can we use our platform and our voice to meet the current needs? And the biggest need that we um, saw and Uh, noticed was a lack of education. And as we were all advocates and allies and trying to help people who don't understand the situation, we realized we needed to introduce a more um, tangible vocabulary. We needed to introduce language uh, to talk about these things. And we wanted to provide resources for students who are at home with families and friends who might never have understood or experienced um, the oppression that Black people face. So we came together and we started a social media initiative, which was one of our first things that we created. And on our Instagram story of OCU Care, we set up a schedule where we would do things like the terms of of the week so people could grasp the vocabulary. We introduced resources, books, podcasts, where people could educate themselves. We highlighted Black artists and Black historical figures because uh, Brie Reed says this, and she says it so well, but Black people are more than just the oppression they face. They are creators, and they are creatives, and they are contributing members of our society. Um, so we they wanted to my- highlight. Sorry, well, I'm just saying, <laughs> they make all of our favorite everythings. So why not celebrate them? (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So we wanted to celebrate them on our social media. And then we um, 
another part of what we did, which impacts more of the OCU community, is we really had a sit-down conversation with the deans of our school. And we came together and we said, what are the, the places and the things that are missing in our school regarding people of color and the students of color? And we created a list of things that we really wanted to see long-term and short-term. We wanted to see uh, OCU go to unifieds because there is so much socioeconomic inequities when it comes to the ability to do the audition process, um, which is crazy. And OCU OCU currently um, only does on-campus auditions and some video auditions. And so we said, how can we, how can our school become a tangible uh, reach, a tangible school for students of color who might not have the same resources as their white counterparts to come to OCU? Because there is an extreme lack of diversity on our campus and in our music school. And so how can we meet that need, unifieds, which is a long-term goal. Um, We had things like under more transparency. We just desired more transparency. We wanted to talk about um, how we casted shows and representation on the stage because as a person of color, I know I do this and most of uh, my friends who are people of color do this as well. You go to a show and you look on the stage and you look in the program and you say, who's like me? Where's, oh, there's no Asians in this show. Nobody. <laughs> there's, um, Nobody. there's a half Asian there. <laughs> I'm a half Asian. <laughs> but um, just mm-hmm. a lack of representation on our stage. And we wanted to address the diversity in the shows that we do because lately we've done a lot of Golden Age. And sometimes with the mindset of casting Golden Age, you think, um, traditional ingenue that is beautiful, white, white. skinny, blonde. Um, and those were some of the main things we talked about. We talked about uh, language in the classroom. We talked about um, just the feeling of aloneness that our students of color have on our campus. On my, I just want to acknowledge, just for the record, that the de- you talked to the deans. Okay, people don't get to sit down and talk to the deans and tell them how they feel. I think, in fact, so many schools are so afraid to talk to the deans and feel like they're enemies. And what I love about your deans is that they said, not only are we not your enemies, we just don't know. We're just unaware. So... For us to believe that that's actually a possibility, that it's just a simple lack of consciousness, and all they need is to know that the team of teachers and students um, and facilitators are all working together, and we that we all want it to be a shared healing experience, not one against the other. I like that you. I like that it's to me. I feel like I feel like it's inspiring <laughs> for other schools. Here. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, Nasser, I want you to come in here and talk a little bit, though, about before we even did all of this work, before we even thought about talking to a dean, can you talk about what the beginning process of us getting together and sort of, oh, I mentioned earlier that we were, we sat down and opened up all of the issues. Can you, can you spend a little bit of, just a little bit of time and talk about what that feels like? Like, what was it, what was the process for us to find out what was really going on at school? Yeah. So um, really shortly before I mentioned that, I also wanted to say something about um, this whole process with the deans that on my led so um, so gracefully and graciously um, was that uh, I think I just want to acknowledge like how we got to that conversation, yeah. which was that a, a lot of these musical theater programs across the country we saw were putting out statements regarding Black Lives Matter and the murder mm -hmm. of George Floyd and all the right. racial injustice in our world. Um, and we saw various programs putting out various different types of statements. And um, our deans put out a letter as well. And we just felt like it was um, a definite effort, but it didn't feel like it was sufficient. Um, and it felt like it, it, in certain ways, it almost felt like it was a bit of a cop-out of an answer. Yep. And we knew that wasn't who our deans were. And so we wanted to take the opportunity to write them a letter in response to what we read and say, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to, um, respond with hostility or anger because we knew right. we had to work together to improve. Right. Right. So, so we decided to put together a letter where we said, thank you for saying something we need more. Let's meet in the middle. Um, and, and that was where the positive reception started. And it all started with a positive conversation where we were all meeting each other where we were at. Um, and I think this actually leads perfectly into talking about how we even started, which was the exact same concept, um, meeting everybody where they're at. So back in March, when we were having our first meetings, um, as the pandemic um, really hit in the States and we were all sent home, we decided to meet over Zoom calls every week. Um, and we did so uh, before we were called care, before we had any sort of leadership structure. You know, it was just all of us students and faculty members that just wanted to talk about the issues we were seeing in marginalized communities across the school. So every week we spent an hour and a half to two hours on Zoom just having an open forum discussion about different marginalized groups. And that is where our four branches originated for care. So our four branches for care are uh, mental health and wellness, racial and ethnic diversity, disability, neurodivergence and accessibility, and LGBTQ plus inclusivity. And each yeah. week we spent, we spent time on um, new topics uh, or, or a different topic. Yeah, I think Dr. West wants to bring up the fact that we actually have a new branch now. Um, so uh, at this point, yeah, so it's actually um, really exciting. Uh, we didn't have this branch when we first originated because we just didn't uh, recognize that there was that community that existed. Um, and uh, now that we've taken the time, the time to, to look at it, we had a vote amongst our coalition um, just this past week. And we have now added a body positivity branch to um, acknowledge the issues of eating disorders and fat phobia on our campus, um, uh, as well as any other body positivity conversations that may uh, evolve from there. Um, but before, before that, uh, conversation came into play, it was just the original four branches and we met every week to just 
um, kind of dissect those issues on our campus and also explore how we were feeling as students um, about just our relationship to those communities in general as a whole, as well as in relation to the performing arts community, as well as in relation to our campus community. Um, and I think that that was such an essential step before trying to take any sort of action or change what was happening on campus. We just needed to acknowledge what the issues even were and how we were feeling about them um, so that we could really spend time understanding and listening to each other so that we could be uh, the best allies and advocates to the extent that we could be. Um, and if we hadn't done that, then it wouldn't be a conversation. It would have just been a bunch of divided groups trying to act on their own. But the yeah. idea of a coalition is that we're supposed to work together, you know? So um, I think that that was an imperative step to uh, achieving what we've achieved so far as an organization. Yeah, and I love that too, because we still always talked about what are the actionable tools that we yes. can at least for now start percolating on. Some things could be done right away. Some things are long-term. But the idea that we aren't just opening up, we're not just unpacking. We're actually looking at what we need to do to move forward. So it was a very necessary process to figure out what needs to happen and begin the, the um, to, be, to, to accelerate it actually during the summer so that in the fall, everybody could feel like they can come back to a safer environment. I want to introduce Sarah. Sarah, get your sweet fanny on this call. Hello, everybody. Sarah, tell everybody what you do. Just tell everybody what you do. Okay, so I am the secretary for OCU Care. Um, so Nasser's the president, Bree's the vice president, and I'm the secretary. So we work um, really hard together to um, get this coalition going. Um, my main job, like when I first joined the coalition, I was um, mostly interested in mental health because that was what brought me um, to the coalition. But I learned that um, through my organization skills and through all of that kind of stuff, I could learn how to be an ally for everybody else. Um, so that's Ooh. how I like this position. Yeah. I mean, what an incredible thing. It's like once you focus out, even with an, uh, an, an interest, a self-interest in mind, right? I want to be a healthier person. Once you get into the, and once you start focusing out, that's when all you, that's when you realize what you can contribute. And so you're just a walking example of that because your contributions are endless. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about why the, why it functions so well? What are the things that you think are the most successful parts of the way that the coalition is currently functioning? Yeah. Um, so after we had those meetings where we, um, talked with everyone about our issues and stuff, we, um, we split it up into the four branches and then everyone was assigned two branches that they felt were that they wanted to be in um, that were their most important um, if they wanted to be an ally or if they felt like they were part of that community. Um, so then after that, we sort of had a vote for the president and the vice president and secretary and also social media manager, which is Mark. Um, and we, yeah, we love Mark. After this um, moment, we just started having meetings with everyone. So we had the full coalition meetings, which happen at the end of every month. Um, that includes everyone in the full coalition. Uh, we have leadership meetings with our branch leaders uh, the Wednesday before that. And then branch meetings usually happen two times a month. And then breaking down even further, we have each branch we've asked to um, split up into task forces. So the task forces are specifically what actionable items we can work on in those communities and who can be um, put on those task forces to work on those specific 
things in our community so we can just start checking the boxes and working things um, in our campus. So yeah, that's the basic structure of our meetings. That's all. That's all. You know, you know, nothing. You know, but I think that the exciting part is that this is thrilling because it's working. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's been going really well so far and we sent out an intake form, which has been on our social media and already 51 people have filled it out and growing. So, um, one of my jobs too, is to add everybody to the email chain and to add this. And we've just been having so many people, uh, which is very exciting. So, um, it's growing. People want to be involved and they're excited. Um, yeah. So that's, and that's the structure. I mean, and what's incredible, Sarah, I think, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What else were you going to say? Uh, no, you go. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is where this is going is so exciting because you build it in your community. You build it at Wanda L. Bass, right? And then you, this, this, this community building gets to extend to the rest of the university and that the rest of the university gets to get involved and make their different, you know, um, their majors and their minors and the people that they're working with and collaborating with, this gets to change, you know, university-wide. And then past that, we get to invite other universities to do this kind of work with each other. Um, Sarah, you're incredible. Thank you, for, thank you for steering the ship so beautifully. Thank you so much, Sarah. You're awesome. This is uh, Dr. West. I would just like to add a quick compliment to Sarah and yeah. and use Sarah as an example of someone who takes their skill set and uses it towards advocacy. And you know, right. I think that, that that's a message for us all. What do you do well? Sarah is an incredible organizer, and she's set up such a platform for us to be able to communicate with each other. She set up um, ways to make our documents and our information uh, processable and accessible. Um, and these are her skill sets, and she uses them as tools for advocacy. So it's just, it's a message for us all to say, take what you do well, take what right. you make you unique and what your skill sets are, and then use them to amplify other people to advocate for groups. And so Sarah's just a wonderful um, yes. example of that. A walking, living, breathing example. Yes, you are. Um, hey, while we're on Dr. West... I want to slide this. I want to slide this into home base. Um, not that I watch sports, but I, um, I'm the lesbian that does not watch sports. Um, but I, I do want to say, <laughs> I do want to say that I want to bring this home and bring it back to Dr. West for the thing that we kind of originally started with, which is the relationship between student and teacher, student and facilitator. Um, can we talk about that? And Nasser, do you want to open up the conversation about why this is such an imperative relationship and why Dr. West has been another living, breathing example of what we need from our teachers and what we need from our facilitators? Yeah, for sure. And I think um, any of our other students that want to chime in on this, I think they'll sure. also have great insight about it. Of course. Um, I think that a huge part of this conversation about equity has to do with institutional makeup. And that's something that we hear are, are hearing about a lot more than we used to. Um, it was something that was specifically talked about in the Broadway for Black Lives Matter um, streams that they held um, mm -hmm. for the public to listen to. Um, there's a difference between equity and equality. There's a reason yes. that we chose um, equity to be in our name and not equality. Because equality is about uh, sameness 
And equity mm-hmm. is about fairness. Um, and we can have equality on stage and we can say, oh, we have a 50% BIPOC cast. Right. Um, but one, that's treating BIPOC people as a singular entity and, and diminishing their uh, distinct identities. And two, that's not informing the creative team that put that cast together because that creative team could still be totally white. Um, right. And how can you <laughs> properly tell um, a story of a BIPOC community with a creative team that doesn't understand that? Um, right. And that translates to the university level as well. Mm-hmm. If the makeup of our institution is not made up of people from those backgrounds or people that are willing to advocate for those backgrounds, then there will be no change that is made. And fabulously, our wonderful Dr. West, who's my voice teacher, and I'm very excited about that. Yes. Um, uh, and also Dr. Herendine and Professor Miller, our professors and directors of opera and musical theater, um, have fabulously been on the same page with us through this whole journey. Um, they've been willing to make change. They've been wanting to make change. Um, and they are working to make change. And not just to make change in our school and, and our community, but also in themselves. Yeah. Um, I've had personal conversations with both of our directors where they've talked to us about how they just didn't know. And now that yeah. they do, they want to be better. Right. Um, and so if we don't have it from the top down changing, then there won't be much tangible change, as Anmai has mentioned, throughout the institution as a whole. And so without this faculty support, we wouldn't have been able to get the ball rolling on any of the projects that we've been working on um, because there would have been no one to listen to our voices. Um, and for, for change to be made, there has to be a voice, but there also has to be someone to listen to that voice. Um, and luckily at OCU, we have both ends of that spectrum. Yes, you do. And I want to also ask a question. What does it feel like to be listened to? I mean, (laughs) I can probably honestly say just from the folks of color who are here today, my guess is that you have probably spent a great deal of your life not being listened to for the things that you need and that you feel and that you feel would mobilize you in your artistry or your or your human nature what does it feel like to have people say tell me how you feel I'm listening and I want to change with you what does it feel like and how is that gonna yeah what does it feel like I would love if if Brie could share the story about the time that we first met with Professor Miller um, how we felt when we we left that meeting (laughs) it was a crazy journey Bree, why don't you why don't you close up this unbelievable podcast with with a wonderful story? Yeah, so me and Nasser, like we said before, we have been talking for a while about how just we felt about not being heard, not being seen, um, no representation on our stage and yeah. in our faculty and our school. And so um, I had talked to Dr. H. Herendine freshman year, and he had been very receptive, but I never talked to Professor Miller. Um, and Nasser was like. After we had an audition, she was the director of the show. And so we were going in for um, callback uh, critiques and just what we can do better. And me and Nasser decided to go in together and just ask questions as to why there was no representation on stage after the callbacks and what we could have done better, maybe if our color played a role in us not being cast. And so those are brave conversations. We were kind of nervous and we walked in and Professor Miller was just very receptive and open and shocked. And so when we told her that the reason why we thought we didn't get cast was because of our color, she was like, oh my goodness, like that's, that's not it at all. And I'm so sorry you felt that way. Tell me more. 
And so it wasn't just, that's not it. That's not the reason why. She said, why do you feel that way? What have I done to make you feel that way? And so she was very, very receptive to what we had to say and was very encouraging. And me and Nasser left that meeting and we closed the door and we literally were just like, ah! We were so excited and so happy to be listened to and to like have someone behind the table who was willing to hear our story. Yeah. And so it is so encouraging and exciting when we are heard and we are, when we are listened to and mm-hmm. taken seriously. And literally the night before, Brie and I like had gotten canes and met and we're sitting in my car and talking about like, okay, so if she says this, this is how we're going to respond. And like, this is what we need to hear from her. We were like so ready for a combative situation. And we walked in there and it was just like, like, what do you, I'm here to listen. What do you want to say? You know? And, yeah. and like having that kind of reaction was just like, like what Brie said, so thrilling. Like we were just so ecstatic about it. And what I love about this uh, and our final thought on uh, cause and effect is that I feel like if we could do that with each other outside, let, let it begin in the college environment and let us be like that with each other out in the world and that that can change the course of things. And even though I, it took a pandemic for people to shut up and deal with racism, (laughs) right? It took a pandemic. So we're taking the pandemic and we're changing the way we deal with each other, particularly around allowing people to fully be themselves 100% day in and day out in their artistry and in their lives. Can we just please uh, give a spiritual round of applause (laughs) for Nasa and Sarah, for Autumn, for Anmai, for Brie, for everybody here who is um, changing college culture. And if anybody is interested in following OCU Care, where can they find you? You can find us at uh, at OCU underscore care on Instagram or follow our Facebook page, which is just OCU Care. And if you want to reach out to us for more info, we're ocucareconnect at gmail.com. Fill out that intake form if you want to get involved and we'll get you hooked up with the right people. It'll be great. And if, yes. And if you are interested in creating a care coalition based on these folks, we've made a, we're making a starter kit to get you started and every all of that information can go through me so contact me if you're inter- if you're at a college or at a teen program and you're interested in changing the world around you thank you so much everybody for being here uh with me uh, D- uh dr west thank you for everything um and follow these incredible leaders they're changing the world and you will too take care everybody and thanks for being on cause and effect with me bye everybody. It's Sherry Sanders. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause and Effect. Cause and Effect is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Kyle Moore, and music by Courtney Bassett and Andrew Swackhammer of Starbird and the Phoenix. Special thanks to Stephen Farizzi. Thank you. And if you like what you hear, Don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream. You should also follow me on Instagram (laughs) at rocktheaudition. And to learn more, visit bpn.fm backslash cause and effect. Peace.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.